Welcome to The Dig Down. This is the podcast where we explore aspects of startups and startup ecosystems around the African continent. I sat down with Taha Jawaji, who has spent the last decade doing incredible work building Beam. At Beam, they're focused on helping businesses build relationships with their customers through exceptional mobile experiences. They do a whole lot, from one and two-way SMS, through to payments, through to a SaaS platform to tie it all together. You can learn more about it all at beam.africa, that's B-E-E-M dot Africa, and all the important links will be in the description box in the platform you're listening from. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Taha Jawaji. Welcome to episode four, Taha. It's incredible to have you here. Uh, thanks, Luke. Uh, excited to be on the show. So I first learned about Beam when I was at the Africa Tech Summit earlier this year in February, and I found it to be a very interesting business. You've started about a decade ago, and you've had rapid expansion around the continent. Before we get into things further, would you like to give a little bit of a background on Beam and the journey that you've had? to now? Sure. Um, my, so my name is Taha Jawaji, mostly based in Tanzania for most of our operations for Beam. Beam is a, well, we've evolved to be, become a Pan-African cloud communications platform or CPaaS platform, uh, where we enable businesses of all sizes to communicate with their customers, interact, transact with them across multiple countries using various mobile channels like SMS, USSD, airtime, uh, and now chat on WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram, etc. And our mission is really to enable businesses to create really unique uh, mobile experiences for their customers and at the end grow their businesses as a result. Incredible. One of the things that struck me as I was preparing for this conversation was the extent, the, the breadth of the offering that Beam has. You're doing so many different things. Um, from one-way SMS communication to SMS communication, you mentioned it now, with mobile payments, disbursements, collections. You've recently launched a platform called Mojo, which we'll get into later on. I'm interested in the journey in introducing these various offerings. So I understand you began around 2008, right? What, what came first? What was the first gap that you saw? And what was the process like of layering on additional services? Yeah, products? no, thanks for kind of summarizing it. You know, I, I think it's, it's like with any business uh, and any journey, it's a very incremental evolution. And particularly because we've done it organically. You know, in hindsight, it looks like, or at least at, at the present, it looks like, oh, there's a lot. But it all happened kind of sequentially and incrementally. You know, in fact, the business actually started uh, to solve my parents, uh, a problem for my parents' business. They were selling computers and we were trying to get them, you know, more uh, younger customers, students. The only realistic way we found of reaching them directly was SMS. And so we created this platform uh, that actually matched people with offers. So, you know, sort of like a Groupon kind of concept, but on SMS without the group part. So people could sign up, they could get offers based on their profile uh, and their interests, and then businesses could target those individuals. Parallelly, we were offering a, a service for businesses to stay in touch with their existing customers. 
So the offer side didn't really take off, but th this side, you know, the business communication side sort of started growing incrementally. And uh, I think, I mean, it was a slow progress to kind of really find product market fit, as they say, and you know, get, get initial customers and, and, and get businesses to trust you, especially when in a very nascent market like Tanzania, where technology adoption is very, uh, you know, slow paced and, and early adopters are fewer. So that, that went on for some time. And at some point we started seeing some demand from customers or, or inquiries coming for messages or SMS outside Tanzania. And that actually kind of caught our attention and we, we sort of started realizing that there's a bigger opportunity perhaps outside our core market. How far into the, um, the business into was the growth that? of Beam was that? Yeah. Uh, that was around, I would say, year four or five. I think it was quite, I mean, we've been around for some time, but I, I mean, we were getting a bit stagnant at that point, I would say. And so, you know, the timing kind of worked out. We we figured out this is an opportunity that we want to jump into. And we were, I mean, it's not to say it was static. I mean, we were experimenting with other kind of mobile solutions at this time and, uh, you know, Android based app kind of things, uh, because we, we felt that we hadn't found enough scale with the core messaging service. And so, you know, either it was going to die a natural death or, you know, maybe we would find something else in the process based on kind of what customers were asking us for. So. Uh, this came out and it seemed like a very natural evolution for us because you know we had some of the infrastructure in place and so we kind of jumped all in and really focused all our attention and energy on this um, and just started adding coverage for countries uh, incrementally you know one after the other and customers kept coming and we didn't look back uh, and then we really found really found our footing, I think, around 2018. Uh, end of 2017, 2018 is when things started really taking off and we saw some real growth. And then at that point, we also started thinking about, you know, what else can we add to our offering that, you know, our existing customers want or would be complementary to our service. And so these other channels, you know, USSD, airtime, etc were services that the operator was offering. And our core service was we are selling what the offer operator is, or the mobile operator is offering, but to businesses. And so we started kind of working on, on those. Um, and then, you know, after USSD and Airtime, we worked on mobile payments and, and now chat. So th right. that's kind of been the journey. Uh, it's not, you know, all been smooth sailing. It, you know, some products work, some products don't work as well. But you know, as a package and as a as a combined offering, it, it's it's a strong value proposition, especially across multiple markets. Are there any factors, either internal or external, to Beam that you see as uh, critical to the inflection point that you experienced around twenty eighteen? I think uh, it was just I think it was a timing thing in terms of kind of meeting customer demand as well as having enough scale in terms of countries and, and networks. Uh, I think prior to that, we we had covered, but it was mostly regional, like around East Africa. But, uh, you know, once we started kind of expanding and having coverage across West Africa and Southern Africa, we, we really saw really good growth. We were able to scale on top of that. Were there any challenges that stood out in expanding outside of East Africa to West Africa and Southern Africa? 
so our expansion is not, you know, perhaps when, you know, when, when, when the audience think of ex- thinks of expansion, they think of, you know, boots on the ground, physical office and, and a big presence. Uh, so we've taken a slightly different approach because we're not, we're growing organically and we're not heavily funded and such. What we call a country as an active country is where we have a relationship with a mobile operator and are delivering communication services in that country uh, and have maybe one one full-time or part-time person uh, on the ground to support us. And we may or may not have that person on, in, on the ground for that country, depending on the size of the market and the opportunity we see, et cetera. And we've also done some kind of strategic partnerships with, you know, some customers at times or some people that we have relationships with to kind of resell our services as well. So that gives us an ability to sell locally in in, in multiple markets without having a a heavy presence. So we've taken a slightly different approach in terms of expansion. And we, but we're changing that model now as we look to grow deeper in, in specific markets over the next one or two years. Okay. And you you mentioned organic growth versus funded growth. I'm interested in how you think about the uh, benefits and costs of those two approaches. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's a very hot uh, and debatable topic. I think uh, th- there's there's a need for both. Sometimes, you know, to disrupt, you need to go at speed and you need to, you know, use the funding and, and pump money in to really gather momentum and scale quickly. And that scale feeds off itself. The momentum and scale kind of keeps going and, and you're able to add more countries and, and customers and users based off that momentum. And that helps, especially with consumer-facing services. I think that's that's something that uh, is important and, and a good way to, to go about things because you're able to channel some of that funding to getting the right teams and putting the right infrastructure in place on the ground. I think with uh, business or B2B related services, uh, sometimes the organic way can work better uh, because businesses sometimes take longer to adopt things and uh, it maybe doesn't work at the, at the pace that's expected of, of VC growth in these early stages. I would see opportunity for the uh, B2B model to focus on a relationship by a relationship approach which can work in B2B, but breaks down in B2C because the yeah, it breaks down in, you need. Exactly, exactly. Um, although we've tried to be very, very focused in terms of kind of the customer segments that we're targeting and how we go about customer acquisition and how much customization we do, et cetera, et cetera, in order to you know really stay as a startup and be able to scale because it's very easy to become a regular IT company or a solutions provider because you can get distracted and start going into kind of custom projects and things like that, which uh, will help you grow in different ways, but not maybe scale and expand in the way that we Interesting. So it sounds like you've had to be very disciplined about which projects you take on, which customers. Yes, take. yeah. We, 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 we've had to say no to a lot of things, you know, and, and sometimes you, someone will tell you, you know, that was a big opportunity. That was a lot of revenue missed, but, you know, I think it, it's helped us get to where we, we are at this stage. Uh, maybe at a smaller scale, but at least in the format of the business that we want, what we think we were able to, to scale on based on, on that foundation. The big news for Beam this year is the new platform that you've launched, Moja. 
I'm keen to know about the, the development process behind that, kind of the journey leading up to launch and, uh, and what Mojo aims to solve. We, I think with everything we've done, like customers, customers have kind of told us what they want at times. Although we have, you know, we kind of get a sense of where things are going. We knew that WhatsApp was big and we needed to figure out how to put it in the hands of customers and, and businesses and how they would be able to leverage it to grow their businesses in within the African context. You know, primarily what we'd seen with WhatsApp was a lot of bots, which are great, but not, you know, most, you know, I would say 50 to 80% of African businesses aren't maybe at a level where a bot is really going to help them. You know, it's a nice to have, but it's not a must have. But WhatsApp as a channel is really a must have. Like a lot of businesses, you know, get a huge percent of their business and their inquiries and customer service happening on WhatsApp. So it was a core kind of channel that we needed to focus on. Uh, but a customer of ours actually came to us and said, look, we have this problem. We're getting a massive amount of inquiries on WhatsApp and Facebook, and we're not able to keep up. And that's when we kind of put this concept together of Modia, uh, which was a chat platform for businesses to really serve their customers in real time in a managed way across multiple channels. So in the WhatsApp context, you know, what happens is you are able to get one number for your business and share that number across multiple staff or agents or sales reps and serve customers on that channel. So the customer still is talking to you on WhatsApp. They don't know that you're on a, on a platform, but you're able to serve them in a, in a much more professional way with visibility, oversight, reporting, and of course, the ability to have chatbots and all of these nice to add features to, to really help you automate and, and, and supercharge your, your service. And with Mojo, you tie together a few different platforms, right? There's, there's WhatsApp and then... Yeah, there's, there's Facebook, Instagram, and SMS together. Okay. Um, and I think what was missing for our customers was really a way to tie all of our different channels together. So customers used, you know, SMS individually or USSD individually or, you know, airtime individually. But there wasn't something to really tie all of these things together. And we really see Moja and the chat service as a way to bring all of these services and channels together because, A, you can talk to customers in real time on, on all of these channels, but then also do kind of follow-up conversations. So, you know, any customer who chats to you on WhatsApp automatically is saved as a contact, uh, and then you can then send an SMS broadcast to them based on their preferences. Or you can now collect mobile payments within WhatsApp. So it really means that we are in the mix of where business is happening and where communication is happening. And that's a very valuable position to be in because customers are relying on your product and using your product day in, day out. And you can then build an ecosystem around it and add a lot of features and partnerships and integrations on top. It's very interesting how you've been able to tie all of those things together. I recently learned of the importance of platforms like Messenger, even over and above WhatsApp, which surprised me because WhatsApp's most prevalent in my own life. But I came to understand that for some consumers, cell phone numbers might change over time and that poses a problem for WhatsApp. And so people might prefer Messenger where you don't necessarily need someone's number, where you can keep your, I guess, your your ID and your conversation history over time. And so that I makes sense. That yeah. Another factor that matters is operators sometimes zero rate those Facebook services. So uh, then it, Messenger becomes free in that case, which is obviously a very strong concept. 
Beam is going through a growth process, and and I understand that uh, that there are roles and opportunities for people working in tech and people in other roles as well. What are some of the opportunities that Beam has available? Yeah, thanks for that question, Luke. Uh, you know, we're growing. Quite fast, and, and are looking for talent and, and people with a with a growth mindset, and particularly people who can think a bit long term. As we mentioned, that things with B two B services take some time to evolve and for businesses to adopt and to build those relationships. We'd be excited to have folks in our product management role, software developers, technical sales. B two B sales, both as a manager role as well as a, a sales representative role, as well as kind of growth marketers to help us uh, get to businesses more cost efficiently and uh, in a in a fast way in in, in multiple markets. Uh, so those are some of the opportunities um, to work with us. Uh, we have a careers page on beam.africa/careers, or you know one can email us on careers at beam.africa to reach us directly as well. So over the last decade, expanding around the continent, you've been based in Tanzania and out of Dar, and you've had you've had involvement with groups that have have worked to support the the, the growth of the tech ecosystem within Tanzania. You were involved with a group called Kinu. I'm interested to know a little bit about that and maybe some of the some of the changes that you've seen over time within the Tanzanian ecosystem. When I, you know, first came back from the U.S. and, and started uh, the business, uh, you know, there, there essentially wasn't an ecosystem. There wasn't a startup community. You know, it was just kind of loose network of people that you knew that were doing something in tech, maybe, and and those were very few. So the idea at that time was really to create a community, and this was around the same time that you know things like iHub and, and Nairobi had just started up. And we, you know, a few of us together, kind of started this organization called Kino to to really bring the tech community together to have events, training, workshops, uh, and kind of be the, the go-to place for people. We grew. We we got funding from Google at that point uh, and a couple of other grants, and were able to kind of run for for a few years. The challenge with that the model of these hubs is it's hard to kind of find a sustainable model to run operations without kind of relying on grants continuously. So Kino didn't continue at that point, but I think it really catalyzed the community and the ecosystem because a lot of the young startups that are you know still around today kind of started up at that point and traced their roots back to Kino, and and some of the a lot of people are still active in the community from that time maybe doing different things or have moved on, but still remember those those early days. I think that the ecosystems evolved quite a bit. There's quite a few hubs now that are doing kind of different innovation programs, you know, di- different capacity building initiatives around students, different focus areas around ed tech and fintech. But really those are early days and I think we just catalyzed the ecosystem and kind of got things going. So things have progressed. It's still, I think Tanzania in a way is still not as uh, mature uh, in terms of uh, funding, talent, partners, and, and kind of corporates compared to, let's say, a Kenya or a Nigeria. But, you know, it's it's kind of in that pathway. I certainly do see a lot of interesting startup projects coming out of uh, Tanzania. So um, I'm, I'm sure there's room for growth and progress, but they're very interesting projects happening. Definitely. So perhaps a final question. 
what trends do you see in company consumer communication in the markets that you're in? What kind of developments might you expect or would you be excited for in the coming time? I think businesses have to follow customers and customers at the moment are scattered across a number of different channels, uh, depending on your market and your economic status, etc. But obviously across the African markets, WhatsApp is, is still king. So we see a lot of uh, innovation and kind of uh, development happening around uh, WhatsApp as a core communication channel. Google is really pushing for RCS, uh, Rich Communication Services, which is their equivalent of WhatsApp messaging. And it kind of comes built into Android. So from an African context where, you know, you know, 90% of smartphones are Android, you know, they have an advantage in that sense. So it's really a matter of pushing mobile operators to adopt uh, RCS. And we're seeing the early days of that happening in uh, Nigeria, etc. So that, that can also uh, add an interesting layer in, in the years to come. I think channels like SMS and USSD are still going to stick around for quite some time because of their ubiquity and there's still 70% of subscribers who don't have a smartphone, right? So the only channels that are really relevant for them are USSD and that will take some time for that to change. So we still see volumes continuing to increase on the, on the business messaging or SMS side. But I, uh, as businesses or SMEs kind of get more hungry for digital services, uh, and obviously their customers demand more digital services, they will start looking for more, more automation, more chatbots, more CRM kind of bundled in and more payments bundled in to really help them digitize their business. Because you have to remember that a lot of businesses don't even have digital systems in place, especially at the, the small and medium-sized business level. They're happy to do it on pen and paper or Excel or things like that. They'll have to adopt these technologies that bring all of these channels and tools to them. And we want to be in that mix. Incredible. Well, it's an exciting journey to follow. I'm very excited to continue to see what Beam does and to stay close in touch. Thank you very much for your time, Taha. Thank you very much, Luke. It's been great talking to you and being on the program.